Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, this is Joanna Oki, and you're listening to The Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on board the absolutely amazing Amy Asagul from Practice Partners. And Amy and I are talking all about feasibility studies for the acquisition of medical, dental, and allied health practices. Now, Amy is a dynamo with an MBA specializing in finance, a diploma in practice management, and now is also an owner of her own medical center group, Eye Health. Amy provides services to medical centers, including strategic planning and business consulting, virtual practice management, site analysis and feasibility, and medical startup consulting. And in this two-part series, we discuss due diligence on acquisitions, how to evaluate a practice, and building a business plan for how to maximize value after acquisition. Now, this is a two-part series because Amy and I just had so much to talk about in this topic. And in this first episode of our two-part series, we dig into when to conduct feasibility studies, issues caused by mistiming feasibility studies. We also dig into a great example that Amy talks about, about the benefits of getting feasibility studies done at the right time. And finally, we round it off with a discussion about the performance of existing businesses versus the growth potential of a business that you've acquired. So buckle in here for part one of our two-part series and make sure you come back next week for the second part of this two-part series talking all about acquisitions for medical, dental and allied health practices. Well, here we go. Fabulous, Amy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Deal Room podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. No, me. It's me who is excited, Amy. I think <laughs> we've got We've got every time we talk, we just run through, through so many things. We have got so much that I want to hear you talk about today. Um, maybe why don't we kick it off by you giving us a little quick background on who you are, who you work with and why, what you do. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I've got two businesses, one called Practice Partners, which is a healthcare consultancy firm, and we help um, GP specialists, allied and dental, how to run their practices, grow their practices, start up a new practice um, and pave the way, I think, for healthcare business. So that's anything from coaching and mentoring to teach them how the medical centre it runs as a business to finding a site and diving in and doing the due diligence, um, acquiring a site and doing the due diligence. So we like to say putting the narrative behind the facts, which are the figures, uh, and then also running the practice. So anything from HR, marketing, policies and procedures, accreditation, um, we recruit staff and doctors into practices and we also look at remutilization. So it's a bit of a full sweep. I was going to say, uh, my team- goodness, my goodness, I mean, <laughs> is there anything in that that you don't do? Well, I'm not hearing the legals at the moment and that's lucky because that's where yes. we're stepping in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're doing the lot. <laughs> We've got a great team of practice partners and look, practice partners for a reason. Why did we start it up? Because we do, we recognise that a lot of businesses out there, GPs go through clinical training and they get into a business and whether they are 
a sole trader and a contractor at a practice or they physically own employees and own the practice, they are business owners. And yeah. giving them a bit of a rundown, whether they're promoting their own brand within a business, in a practice, or actually trying to get themselves off the ground and have other contractors with them, it's really important to understand the foundations of all of that, what mm-hmm. each step means so that they can make informed decisions along the yeah. way. Um, so we have a little slogan over at Practice Partners and it's um, you work in your business while we work on your business um, because that is something that they, you know, doctors like to be clinical. That's what they trained in. So let us do the rest of it and keep you abreast of what's happening but also educate and train you along the way too. So that's kind of why I started Practice Partners with the passion of doing that. And then I have started my own medical centre group up called iHealth Group. So very exciting. Um, we've had a couple of sites now and we've got another four in the pipeline. So wow. it is quite busy. Yeah, look at <laughs> you, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, so it's been quite a journey. But look, to be honest, in the last 12 months, as you probably know, with COVID and everything else that has happened, you could pretty much roll in a ball everything you've ever known and just chuck it out the window and go, yeah. right, let's just strap in and, and go for the ride. So it has been a great journey for all, all the clients out there, new and existing clients, and also myself in my own medical centre group. So pretty exciting time. So you're talking here, uh, I guess the point is you're talking here from the perspective, not just as an advisor, but you're sitting in the seat of actually running it and, and you know, seeing the impact of the decisions that you're making from a practical sense on a day-to-day basis as an owner yourself. So I just think that's so powerful. Yeah, look, it is quite cool because if we've got something new we want to try or something that we, an efficiency we see that's lacking in our own practice, we'll go and execute a plan, get our staff involved, we'll put policies and procedures together, we'll actually follow it on a financial forecast to see what it actually means financially for a practice mm-hmm. and then we take that and go back to our clients and go, hey, this actually works, let me show you how. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been really cool. So it has been a bit of a trial bunny, but um, I must admit the sites are, are just absolutely soaring and doing an amazing job. So, and my staff, they all come along for the journey so they know that I come in there and I've always got a bright new idea uh, to throw at them. But I, I must admit they're, they're a great team and they've been bearing with me for the last 12 months. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Love it. Okay. All right. So let's then round back to, uh, I guess, where we're going today, which is talking about this, this side of due diligence on acquisitions and how to evaluate a practice and this uh, this core concept of uh, feasibility studies. So where are you positioned here, Amy? I think we're, we've been having some discussions in the past and I know you have a feeling that feasibility studies maybe happen a little bit too late in the process. Maybe talk us through your, your perspective on that. Absolutely. So um, two kind of scenarios here. So if we're starting up at Greenfields and we're doing a feasibility on a site itself, so where is your practice going to be positioned and then due diligence if you're going to acquire an existing practice and some people forget that that acquisition due diligence is really important Um, and we'll touch on that separately but I think first of all let's look at that um, site you know I get clients coming with signed leases or they've um, you know put deposits down on houses and they're about to settle in a week's time and they'll say I've got this great site for a medical centre and I cross my fingers and hope for the best. And the reason I do that is because I'll ask them things like, where's your business plan? And do you know who your competitors are? And do you know if there's any other medical centres in the area that are planned and permitted? Um, and the answer in most cases is no. And that scares me. Yeah. And it's not even my site. Yeah. So I 
take a, a step back and I like to see my clients at the stage of when they're thinking of um, starting practice or they might have looked at a site and, and they're thinking it's a great site for them but prior to signing a lease or prior to putting down a, um, a deposit for purchase, we want to have a look at the demographics, the council planning. We want to have a look at what your competitors are doing. Really, it's who's who in the zoo and where do you fit? Mm. Um, there's been a few uh, scenarios more yeah. recently. So I'd, I'd love to hear some of the examples where you've come in too late and, you know, there's something that you've found that perhaps the um, the buyers just had no idea was sitting there to, you know, really devalue their purchase. Absolutely. Um, and, and unfortunately this happens, you know, more than I would have liked, but... Uh, we can, and they can range from things like we can't ha- we can't be permitted because there's not enough parking space. It could be there's a heritage listed or a caveat on the house that is um, meaning that we can't do the renovations that was first envisaged. Um, it might be that there's completely wrong zoning, and then going back to council and change of use is going to mean a huge council process. There's a various amount of reasons as to why um, you know not doing this process can mean a huge amount for the practice. Now, I'd also like to touch on this particular practice he had purchased this block of land with a plan over the top from a local builder so he'd gone out to a local builder and said can I make this into a medical center and they've overlaid it and he said look he said I can do it and I said okay but have we gone through the process you know is there enough you know rooms for you is there growth potential there for you you know when you're looking back at going back to the bank and asking for money they're going to say right where's your growth potential Yes, there's you and another GP going in here, but you've only got two rooms, no room for a path and a treatment room with one bed in it. Where where do you think you're going to make the money there? Mm. There's no financial forecast attached to that. So Mm. he's gone, oh, okay, I've purchased something way too small. Wow. And 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 that's it. That's he's he. It's completed. He's got it. He's got the practice now. And then that dawning must be in the first instance horrific for, for the poor guy. But what <laughs> what did he do then? Like what was the next? What, what did he yeah, do for so, out of this information? Yeah. So for our next step, what we did manage to do is actually pull things together. We did a full needs analysis and had a look and and actually created some supporting documentation for councillors to why we're doing the things that we're doing. So there's a big process is putting that together. It wasn't a smooth sailing, putting it to council, get it permitted for a medical centre and, and Bob's your uncle, you're on your way. Um, mm. There was a lot of, you know, parking dispensation. There was a lot of um, moving, trying to move that heritage as much as we can or work with it as much as we can. You know, do we go up at the back? You know, what's that going to mean with all of our admin upstairs because you can't technically have your patients going up upstairs to see the doctor if you don't have a lift and so forth. So there's quite a few things around it. We managed to get him an extra two rooms by building on the back and we had a lot of dispensation for our parking. So we managed to get around it, but it wasn't an easy process and it was something that he thought would run very smoothly and cost him a small amount, ended up costing him a large amount of money to Mm. get the result that he was after. Um, And I think then touching on, well, now that you do have those extra two rooms, what are we going to do with the space? It means that there's a whole lot different amount in um, fit-out costs. You know, it's gone from being a small amount of fit-out costs to an extra two rooms, a larger amount, not a huge much more, but a larger amount, yeah. more equipment. Um, you know, parking then is an issue and he had to pay for permits for parking to come into play as well. So mm. the to not doing that feasibility was not only time but also monetary as well. And it was, you know, it, it's it's the difference between doing a feasibility prior to then not doing one. So 
I think for him, he wouldn't have changed his mind. He would have still purchased, but at least he would have had knowledge of what the steps ahead would have been. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe as well, I mean, ultimately, the more information you have before an acquisition, the better, because it helps you evaluate price. Like, is the price right? It helps you evaluate how the price will be paid and whether there's some things that, you know, you might need the assistance of the seller with, <laughs> you know, in order to make the most out of the growth potential of the practice. And it might also indicate that perhaps you need to evaluate something else around. So I guess there's all of those reasons. Yeah. And and I guess maybe maybe if you can run us through some examples or, or at least one example of, of a practice that you've worked with um, where you've come in at the right time and, you, you know, what that looks like. Absolutely. Um, and I think just touching on as well, the bank, it's never nice to have to go back to the bank after a mm. purchase of a property and say, by the way, Actually, I thought this would be a great medical centre, but I need now more money because of the feasibility wasn't done in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, we've always, we no one likes to go knocking back for more money um, for something that you didn't look at. So that was an interesting one for that first case as well. But yeah, look, there we've, we do get clients come through and say, look, I've got this site or I've got this block of land and I own the land, for instance, and I'd like to put a medical centre on it. And that's great because we can then go back and have a look at, you know, council plans. We can have a look at demographics, growth zones of the area, you know, who's who in the zoo and what are they all doing? Where do you fit? Is there a lacking allied health? Is there no radiology close by? Is there no pharmacy close by? Can it get PBS approval? So there's, we can go right into depth to say, well, conceptually, this was what would be the best fit for this site. Mm. Um, and that means that that person, who whether he's going to actually run the site himself, and in this case he wasn't going to, he was going to lease it out, um, we can then put the best terms on that site. So we can say, right, we know that there's a need for these areas and we can produce this documentation to any future, I guess, interest uh, in lease and they can go into it knowing that it's going to be a viable medical centre and mm. it's going to do well. So when we did something like that on this particular site, um, we had a look around and we noticed that there was eight other medical centres wow. within 10 kilometres that were already planned and permitted. Yeah. It's in a huge growth zone. So that's obviously everyone had the same idea as he did. Mm. Now, what that meant was we could then make the decision of where we sat in that market. How big were the other ones? What were their point of differences? How far away were they? And would we be vying for the same tenants or subleases? Mm. Mm. You know, um, you won't have a pathology provider that's going to take on all eight of those or a radiology provider that's going to take on all eight of those. Um, and if you're looking at leasing that to another a dentist or a, um, a GP, whatever it may be, or a pharmacist, when you're looking at that, they'll go, right, well, I know that there's eight others here, so I can battle you up against everyone else and I'm going to get the cheapest rent. So they need to be aware that you're not going to get the returns perhaps that you were first after. Mm. So in order for us to make that, I guess, point of difference in the site means that we are different to the rest. Mm. So you're going to stand outside of that bubble of the rest of those eight. Um, mm. Or you can make the decision at that point to say, hey, once these all come in, um, it's got to be infiltrated. We, we actually don't need another medical centre here. Maybe we change focus and make it a allied health hub or we make mm. it, you know, a large-scale healthcare business in another sense. So mm. we can then change focus then rather than when it's built. Yeah, 
Yeah. And and when you're assisting um, your clients in evaluating an acquisition of an existing business, an existing practice, how much, what, what is this spread uh, in terms of importance you place on the performance of the existing business versus the growth potential of the business? How do you work that out in your forecasting? What approaches do you use? Yes, but growth potential for me is everything. Um, mm. Buying, acquiring a practice, I mean, everyone sells for a reason. We've got to work out what that reason is. You can have a look at the figures and, yes, it might have done well for the last couple of years. Everyone had a lull in the last 12 months. Um, well, not everyone, you know, some people did really well. But you want to have a look at those are the facts. That's what's happened. We can't change that. That's that's done. We want to have a look at the narrative behind it, what sublease are in place, what's the room utilisation, the doctor utilisation, the nurse utilisation. Where can I grow the practice Day one, I can mm. jump in and I can go, I can see movement here, here, here and here. Um, that's what you buy off. Mm. If you buy a practice that's got 10 rooms that are all full and it's sitting at this this amount of profit right now, where are your small wins? Mm. We need to have a look at how are you going to make, you're paying for all of that. You're paying, paying for full potential right now. Where are you going to grow that in order for you to break even on your purchase or even grow it even further. So we need to have a look at those areas, and that's really important for me. I mean, we can have a look at the contracts of the doctors. We can have a look at the principal GP or the owner. Is he staying? Is he going? What does he bring to the practice? How much does he take home on average? And if he's going to stay, putting him on a percentage, what does that mean for that bottom line? You can do a financial forecast in every single scenario that you can think of, and then add your growth strategies on top of that. And you can start to see, well, in the first 12 months, I can see if I execute these, this is what I'm going to end up with. That's mm. what you should be purchasing on, not purchasing on purchasing on the fact that it's a practice that has 10 GPs and 10 rooms and that's all that's going to, going to take. Mm. I completely agree with you. My perception is that while the idea of growth is quite often in the mind of buyers, the reality is the way they tend to evaluate businesses is on today rather than the growth potential. You know, to obviously growth is considered, but I, I think maybe to a far lesser extent than you're talking about at the moment. Is that the feeling that you get? Absolutely. I have a look at a lot of IMs that come through from mm. different brokers. Some are really extensive and fantastic. Others mm. are really short and sweet. Mm. Um, but when you look at it and they say, oh, we can see that in 2018, 2019, 2020, we're in a growth phase because we're waking our way up. But where are we now? And what is the mm. narrative behind those figures? You know, um, is it now at capacity? Like what capacity is it at right now? And what what room do we have to move? Mm. What is the new buyer going to bring to that practice? It's not shown in the figures from the last four years. I can tell you that now. Mm. It actually needs to be a strategy put forward. And I think that's when we do get um, some I guess, GPs and, and investors that own medical centres and they say, oh, we purchased it last year. It was a great purchase. Um, but now we're seeing that we're dropping or we're not, we, we don't yeah. know where to go next. Yeah. And I'll go, so why did you purchase it? Oh, well, yeah. the EBITDA was really good. Right, exactly. <laughs> do that, you know. So we need to have a look at just more and I think opening up everyone's minds to due diligence is not just about the financials. Um, everyone mm. loves to throw the word, you know, goodwill, goodwill of patient I base. I right? yes. Patients are transient and they yeah. don't wake up one day and go, Gonna, you know, I'm going to go to that practice. 
practice now. You know, they are they will move to what's convenient for them. And you've seen a massive change in the industry about people going closer to home now, mm. um, especially here in Melbourne. We don't move far. You know, mm. we we I know I know that everything's quite close. I now go to the local supermarket and the local butcher and the local because you know what? I was used to that for nearly 12 months. Yeah. So people have changed the way and they want to do things. It's quite easy one practice is now offering online bookings and e-scripts and telehealth and all of those things, and my practice doesn't offer one of those services, I'm going to move because it's more convenient for me. So transient patient base and goodwill, I I tend to to do do a little bit of the uh, BS when I hear goodwill and that's why I purchased a practice at that price. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I guess that's the point of what we're talking about today, how we dig deeper than just yeah. first layer because that is first layer isn't it you know and here we're talking about let's get dig deeper of course from a legal perspective you know we're all about dig deeper into not just the risk that might be there but also the opportunity from a legal perspective and I love this discussion that we're having about you know that just more business reflection yeah. I guess um, and where the growth can be. I guess what we, when you're talking about it here, because whilst I said growth isn't necessarily the main thing that is looked at, certainly growth is is in the mind of buyers, but quite often it's not necessarily growth that is founded in really, uh, in, in core, provable, you know, figures backed plans, right? You know, they're more assumptions about what will happen when they, the the new magic owners who know everything, you know, to do right, as opposed to the, you know what I mean? Don't don't you think that happens? So I love this number base that we're talking about because it's really about what are all of these factors that in reality um, will drive growth. So maybe even if we can reflect perhaps on what have been some of the strategies and, and can you think of an example where you've seen buyers implement a strategy that has been really effective for quick growth? Have there been any of those, you know, what are those lowest hanging fruit that have revealed themselves into something really, you know, remarkable that have created great results? Yeah, absolutely. I think operationally um, you can make some really quick wins. You know, if you're purchasing a practice that's got a 20-year-old patient base and you can jump in there and see that recalls aren't happening and reminders and nurse Mm. utilisation is really low, jumping in there and, you know, sending a sweep of text messages for health assessments or making sure the care plan reviews are up to date and you've got patients coming back in, I always like to do that, hey, change of ownership text message to all the patient base and then follow that up with a regular one saying, hey, we care about your health. We've noticed you have come in for your free health assessment. They'll go, oh, I can see the difference in these new owners already. Mm-hmm. And that's where you can make some really quick wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bringing on that nursing um, utilisation is really important. We all know that the most profitable room in any medical centre is that treatment room. So not utilising it to its full potential um, can mean, you know, the difference between profitability and not being profitable at all. And I think that coming in and talking to that nursing team, setting it up correctly, making sure the systems, the IT integration, which is big, I mean, that's a whole new topic altogether, but IT integration can definitely help in both the due diligence and actually making some quick wins as well. Mm. I like to use HotDoc. Hot dog, you can you can really push out a patient base quite quickly. What you're buying there, and this is probably where sometimes we get that blurred, the goodwill in that is only if you use it. Yeah. So 
you know, coming back to I had a lot of clients through COVID um, and the ones that succeeded really leveraged off their patient base. Mm. And the ones that weren't doing so well were just not really engaging in that patient base. So you've got a patient base there that are all due for health assessments or all due due for care plan reviews. Um, touch base with them. You know, you've got that. You don't need to go look for new patients. You've got 20 years worth sitting there and all their data and all their contacts and all of their past healthcare history. So I think that looking at that and seeing it as a commodity of self is where you can make a huge, huge win in the first couple of months. Brilliant. I absolutely love it. Well, that's it for the first part of our two-part series, all about acquisitions for medical, dental and allied health practices. Now, don't forget to come back next week for the second part of our two-part series where we talk about building a business plan around maximizing value after acquisition. We talk about KPIs, but not the usual kind of KPIs and what they can do for your business. We talk about working with practices that have multiple sites. We talk about this whole concept of greenfield investment versus acquisitions, which is better. We'll answer that next week. And finally, we go through some questions that are often asked. And if you'd like more information about this topic that we covered today in part one of our two-part series, then just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you're the kind of person who just loves to read this stuff in greater detail. Although I'll give you a warning, our transcripts are automatically transcribed. So whilst not word perfect, they certainly can provide that extra detail if you're the kind of person who likes it. At that website as well, you'll also, of course, be able to find details of how to contact Amy Asigal at Practice Partners. And you will also be able to find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We've got a number of great services to guide businesses who are both small and large through acquisitions or sales. So don't hesitate to book an appointment if you'd like to find out how we might be able to assist. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then please make sure you pop over to your favorite podcast player and leave a review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that we can be delivered to you every week. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen.
conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Thank you.